What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I'm your host, Eric Antonson, and this is episode six of our foiling series. As I am recording this right now, I'm watching beautiful little one-foot waves break out back, waiting another hour and a half for the tide to continue to drop out. I'm going to go out there and bliss foil one-footers on a new flight deck. Uh, today's guest on the show is Brian Finch from Foil the World, and that intro was Sweet Child of Mine, um, the bass intro, so keeping up with that theme of learning a song a week, it's been fun. Um, I'm super happy that Brian decided to come on the show. He is one of the best resources, uh, Foil the World, his Instagram and YouTube out there for foiling. I really appreciate what he's doing. He's taught me a lot. I'm sure a lot of you follow and um, are learning from Brian as well. Uh, if you don't, make sure you do. Uh, and if you haven't, go buy some of his uh, merch, buy some hats, shirts, whatever, support him so that he can keep doing what he's doing for us because it's helping all of us. It's helping the sport out. So thanks for doing what you're doing, Brian. Thanks for doing the show. And um, I hope you guys all like it. Before we jump in, uh, this episode is brought to you by Blue Zone SUP. Um, Blue Zone's the camp that Chase Kosterlitz and I have in Costa Rica. Chase is down there running it. Actually, this week, right now, he's down foiling in Matapala, which is one of my favorite places on the planet. And um, I'm getting these text updates that are just driving me nuts about how good it is. And um, yeah, it's pretty insane. So good, good on you, Chase. I'm glad you're doing that. He's done a great job running the camp this year. And we are going to be having uh, some foiling camps next year. So hit us up if you're into that. Um, give foil uh, camp, foil surf camp, I think it is, on Instagram a follow. Look for it. And stay in tune with what we're doing down there. All right, cool. Uh, let's get into the show. Brian Finch, Foil the World. Thanks for listening. Brian, thanks for being on the show, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I uh, appreciate the invite. I've, yeah. uh, I've been a consumer of podcasts for many years and never thought I'd be on one, so this is pretty fun. <laughs> when I started uh, thinking about doing one in foiling, I did one in stand-up um, and then in kind of like the learning space for a while. You're one of the first people I wanted to talk to, though, because I like your your journey through the sport and how you've chronicled everything. And I think you're probably one of the biggest uh, repositories of information for the sport of foiling right now. So thanks a lot for doing this. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm happy to do it. Um, it's, it's, it's been my intention, um, you know, to share as much of the learning process as I can and, and equipment and all that stuff. Um, it's also frustrating because I feel like I could do so much more and have so much more to say and to the point of probably get people getting sick of me, but, uh, it's, uh, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I don't think anybody could get sick uh, of you if they're completely foil brained because there's just not enough information out there yet. I mean, I would not have started doing this foiling series of the podcast if I was able to find all the information that I wanted, but it just, it's hard still because it's so new. So, um, that was kind of the impetus behind doing this. I did this in the stand-up world, you know, a while back, but, um, to kick things off, why don't you give us an overview of, you know, you told me just touched on the fact that you lived in Costa Rica for a decade as well. We looks like we missed each other down there, but, uh, that's pretty dope. And then how, how did you, you know, end up in Hawaii? How'd you start foiling? Mm -hmm. Give us some, uh, some background. 
Uh, well, I grew up in Hawaii, uh, moved okay. down to Costa Rica, like I said, for, for about 10 years. Um, yeah, we, uh, I met, uh, my wife and had two kids down there and moved back, um, uh, to Kauai, uh, in 2009. Uh, we suffered from the 2008 recession pretty bad. And I had just like spent a, all my nest egg on buying more properties. I was buying and selling properties in Nicaragua. And that was kind of like my vacation getaway zone in Northern Nicaragua. And, uh, I had just, you know, spent the, the nest egg and then the recession hit and it, we were in a bad, you know, hindsight's 2020, but we we're in a bad spot. Hung out for a while. And my wife's like, Hey, what about the U S I'd love to try that out. And, and so, uh, so fortunate that we had, you know, Kauai, uh, in our back pocket to move home and, and that we did. And we've been home for about 10 years now. Right on. How, how'd you get into foiling? Um, so foiling, it's, uh, uh it was kind of like the perfect storm for me. I've always been a bit of a hard, hardcore short border. Um, and, uh, and I was suffering from uh, injury for, for a lot of years. Um, uh, but what, what put foiling on the map for me was in 2016, my buddy Joel Guy got me a job on a Laird Hamilton documentary, um, flying a drone. And I went out the first day to fly the drone and the thing didn't barely work. It was too far offshore. Um, got horrible footage. Um, and I thought, well, that's it. I'm cooked. I'm off the team. Um, <laughs> later when we met up, uh, at Laird's house, we we're going over everything and, and somehow they found out I could drive a ski. I was certified for ocean safety and just kind of my resume, you know, luckily, uh, they had use for me and I got invited back and then kind of back and, you know, I ended up working for Laird on their documentary, um, for, you know, several weeks off and on. Um, so I got the first, my first impressions of foiling were watching Laird and Carrie and their crew on macking waves going like 50 miles an hour, um, and just having the time of their lives and, and, and listening to them afterward, you know, explain foiling to the cameras, talking story with the crew about foiling and, uh, you know, answering all my annoying little questions. Uh, and that was like my first impressions for foiling is I, I got to, uh, drive a jet ski out for a cinematographer in the surf and see it firsthand. And I was fortunate enough to shoot from a helicopter. And so I got a, a, an amazing overview of foiling and the possibilities from, you know, one of the godfathers foiling. Um, so it was a really special introduction. And I was convinced, pretty much convinced immediately, like, wow, this is, I got to do this. Uh, but then, you know, I started asking, so how do you, how do you get a, you know, a, uh, how do you get the setup? What's this cost? And it was all special made stuff at the time. And it, the, the price was pretty outrageous. Um, so I sat back like, okay, so foiling's out, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, but then you fast forward a, a couple of years about, you know, a year and a half or two years, whatever it was after that. Um, and all of a sudden foils are becoming produced commercially. Kailani's videos were coming out. Um, I couldn't really shortboard anymore. It was destroying my hip and, and putting me in all kinds of pain and, and, you know, peg leg walking kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, you know, I think foiling looks soft, looks soft on the body. Um, and so I, that's how I got into it is, was, uh, was kind of in a sense convinced in one side and then out of choices on the other. And, and sure enough, started foiling and it was, it was so much easier on the body. Uh, once I got through, you know, the wipeout, the wipeout phase. <laughs> that's, uh, that's super interesting. So 
the way that I got into stand-up surfing was a similar injury and I had to start paddling for rehab and then I never would have given it a go. I was the same kind of like just locked in. If it was more than 30 liters, I did not ride it, <laughs> you know? Right. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like for 10 years or seven, eight, nine years in Costa Rica, we were there for 12 for like nine years in Costa Rica. It was, um, if it was more than 30 liters, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to get on it. And then I got hurt and I got on the stand up, and I was like, wait a second, kind of opened my mind up. And then for me, foiling was, we had to move back to the States. Um, my wife got sick. We had to bounce from Costa Rica and, um, I ended up on the Northeast coast up here last year and I was looking, I was sitting at these like just epic point break setups and there's just never enough swell. And you're just sitting there just like, ah, oh, I just wish there was more swell. And then I started kind of watching the Kyleni videos too. And I just started thinking, you know, maybe I just don't need more swell. Maybe I, I need a different tool. And, um, so then I dove in this year and it was the, my favorite decision I've made. It's like, it's such a game changer for you know the east coast of, of the united states for sure but then can't wait to explore it around the world you know um talk us through equipment like when you first started what did you start on what did you learn from that equipment how have you made choices on where you're going next um i think that's the the you know the questions that i get since doing a few of these episodes and i'm not necessarily the guy to answer these yet is um you know where should people start and what's the best and how do you see the landscape right now of boards and wings? And I know it's a broad question, but we can dive into it. Yeah. You might have to remind me if I might get lost. That's kind of several questions in one. Um, yeah, but man. I, uh, I, I started, you know, I was coached up by my buddy, Kyle Maligro that he was riding Nash. And so I was like, okay, looks like I'm going to buy a Nash gear. Um, and you know, he gave me some, some tips and the pointers and the, the safety speech and it was kind of off to the races. I, uh, I remember catching my first wave and going about, you know, I was up on foil for 10 seconds, 14, I don't know, pretty, pretty darn long. And I was like, this is easy. And I paddled back <laughs> out and proceeded to like, just eat it and face flop and, and get run over by my foil for the, you know, the next 10, 15 waves. And then I got maybe a couple more little baby glides, but nothing like that first ride. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is hard. And I was, you know, right off the bat addicted, you know, instantly addicted. I was like, okay, I have to get this down. This is really hard. Um, so that I started on uh, a 55 centimeter mast and the uh, national medium wing okay. and, and, uh, and one of those uh, foil mount stickers on like a, on like a summer gravel board kind of performance gravel board. And that was, that was a start. That thing had like maybe 24 liters. I was already too big for it to start with. And then you factor in like long rides from foiling. And it was a nightmare, like trying to catch waves on that thing and paddling back out. But, uh, it was a great start. It was a fun start. Yeah. And then where did you go with gear after that? What, uh, what wings so have you from ridden? There, what have you liked? From there, uh, it was, you know, uh, a particular Kyleni video and then seeing Ryan Funk, um, I, uh, Armstrong foils caught my eye and, and I started reading about him and finding, looking for any video I could on him and was convinced that, okay, this is the wing for me or the wings. I should say they, uh, they had, you know, they had a toe wing, you know, a gravel wing and it was a two wing pack at the time. And, and so I pulled the trigger. It was, it cost a fortune, um, uh, <laughs> 
but I, I made a, a good decision because they were, I kind of went from, you know, a standard, standard setup to, to pretty much one of the best, not the best on the market at the time. And I would say the, the best constructed foil, um, that's out there to this day with, you know, with no doubt. That's high praise. And then, uh, you know, a couple months in, um, I, uh, you know, I was talking so much about the Armstrong and being such an advocate. I was so fired up on it. Uh, ended up Armstrong ended up sending me a, a 1200 wing to try out. And, um, and that was a game changer in itself because it was, uh, you know, lower profile, much faster, smaller for my size, could surf bigger waves on it much easier. Um, the 1600 wing is, is a lot of lift and, and too much lift for the kind of waves we're foiling on the daily, um, great gravel wing, but it was, it was, it was, it was difficult for the size waves we were, we're trying to foil. So the 1200 was a game changer and, and really opened my mind to, to the possibilities, like another level possibility in foiling. Yeah. And then I've seen you on some of the signature gear lately. Uh, is that what you're mostly so, on now? Yeah. Um, I'm still learning those wings. So that's what I'm writing. Um, pretty much on the daily, but I'm, um, I test a lot of stuff. I'm fortunate, um, to be, you know, what I've kind of created with foil the world. Um, companies are contacting me now to hey, try this wing, review this thing, let me know what you think. Um, and it's really exciting. Uh, at the same time, it can be a little frustrating because at times I feel like I'm not progressing much because I'm constantly trying new wings, uh, new, new setups on the wings, shimming, not shimming up, down, um, sliding, you know, the foils back and forth. And then, you know, there's just the variables are nonstop, you know, uh, pertaining to the, the conditions for the day. And then all the variations and slight, slight variations of how you set your foil up, as you know, like, you know, a quarter inch can make a drastic difference. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, on my day to day is I want to try and test something new, but I also want to get some waves and try and try and improve my skills. So it's a, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a resting match at times. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer that variability in training, and this is a debate I have with one of my good friends, um, all the time. He, he thinks that you should get dialed in on gear and then train and with, with controlled variables. And I, I'm a believer that, by changing boards, changing wings, depending on, you know, if you're surfing or if you're foiling, that it brings you, breaks your mold. And so that it lets you kind of surf outside of your, your normal habits. And actually you learn faster that way. Although it feels like you're not learning as fast. Um, at the end of it, I feel like you, you, you learn quicker. Like I I'll do two days on a setup and then I'll change it. Um, right now with trying to progress through foiling. Um, and I feel like, that keeps me on my toes. And then I go bounce back. Like I've, I've been going back and forth between cloud and NP gear lately. And it's cool. Cause I'll learn something new on the NP that I hadn't felt before. And I'll be like, I wonder how that works on the cloud. I bounce back to the cloud gear and, um, check that out. And I've got the 210 coming in about a week, uh, from South Africa. So I can't wait to see how all that feels too. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, how do you feel? I agree. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I agree with that, but I think there is a point of diminishing returns where if, if you're constantly trying the variables and you don't sit back on, on, uh, on the same piece of gear 
the same setup for multiple sessions, multiple conditions. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, just, I guess that's my point is there's, I, I, there's definitely a point of diminishing returns where you can overdo it. But yeah. I agree. I definitely agree with that. There's a, uh, it's even shortboarding also, in the other sport. Uh, first, I'd like to say, I apologize if it sounds like we're talking over each other. I think we've got about a half a second, a second delay. So if you guys are listening, it's not that we're trying to talk over each other. It's the, the delay we yeah. have here. Um, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in uh, Connecticut right now. And, um, Brian's on Kauai. So I agree. I think the other, the other part that I'm going through right now is that I have been for the last month surfing literally one foot waves. And so, you know, as flow multiplier, so as consequences, um, increase in, in like the environment, then it's better to have less variability in what you're doing. And so you're probably surfing much better surf than I am. And yeah, it's not like you want to be experimenting when you're, when you're in surf. Yeah, it's, it's that it's the conundrum, right? I want to know what happens if this or or maybe this is just a little bit better. Um, but yeah, we're fortunate we have tons of swell to to play with. Let, let's talk boards for a minute. How much of a role do you think that boards play other than swing weight and size? Once you're flying, if you have a certain swing weight and a certain size, how much does shape? matter there's a huge difference between me riding a six five stand up in my four three prone board like i mean it's night and day but i wonder if i had that prone shape in a circle or in you know like just like a two by eight you know like how much do you think that that the shape of the board actually matters once you're flying outside of size and, and swing weight i think it's huge um okay at the beginning of all this, I think we all thought, ah, you're not, it's, you're up in the air. It doesn't matter. Board doesn't matter. But now we're finding that it's a huge factor. Um, and again, there's so many variables involved. Um, but the board is, it's super important. There's, you know, ways to make it more responsive. Um, using, you know, beveled and chimed rails is, uh, super helpful channel bottoms, scooping the deck, some guys lifting the, you know, um, giving kind of ramp back in the tail. Um, there's it, but it also depends on what type of foiling you're doing. You know, you're going to want a little, a different board for kiting, you know, you're way more on edge. So you want a more narrow board. That's not going to drag the rail in the water. Um, I think everyone went super short in the beginning because you get so much leverage and control out of your board. But now, uh, I feel like there's a trend of the boards getting longer to get back into kind of like a blend of, of traditional shortboarding on the foil, making more contact with the wave, you know, airs, uh, um, whitewash smacks and, you know, maybe eventually kind of full lippers, um, floaters, possibly that kind of thing. The board design is super important. The way it shears the water off or skips you back up onto foil. If you, if you touch down or even getting really low into a cutback and, using part of your board as a stabilizer or a rail instead of as a, you know, a claw that grabs your board and, and yanks it down. Um, super important in my opinion. And from what I've tested and what I felt, there's a lot of uh, performance advantage to, to, um, to correctly tune boards to what you're doing. Yeah. So anyone out there who does not yet follow, I'm sure almost everyone listening to this would, but anyone who doesn't follow foil the world, that should be the first thing that you do either right now or when you finish driving. Um, Cause Brian's always t 
testing and showcasing. And you just had um, did a review on the KT board. That board looks sick. You said it was just a little bit, um, what do you say, bigger than what you're normally riding. And you're saying that you're going back, your trend is going back bigger right now. So where where is that zone of comfort for you? How small did you go? Where are you now? What's like the the, the biggest that, that, that you would want to go? And when you talk about size, are you talking about um, length or are you talking about volume? What's what's the best way to to look at size for foiling? Uh, both. Um, okay. For the KT board, it, it yeah it had too much volume up front, um, and uh, overall just too big for for my weight. I felt like I couldn't whip it around as well. It worked so the, good when I was. Um, uh, it worked good on you know the first few sessions when I was getting pulled behind a ski, um, and there's no paddling involved. And you know a bit juicier of a wave, but it, but even then it's it's not ideal. When you're towing, you usually want a, a even sm- a much smaller board where you don't really feel it. And you can you know when there's no paddling involved, you can go really small. And typically when you're towing in, you're not trying to crack the wave. You're you're, you're kind of doing more running <laughs> running from it than anything. Um, for length, you know I was down to uh, 311 was my first real tiny board. I've tried. Uh, anywhere i think down to it like a three five i had tried um and now you know i'm up at four three is is i'm f- uh five eleven four three seems to be like my sweet spot for length um i might even go just a touch a touch longer and thinner uh just to feel it out and see see what that does um but yeah I don't know. I kind of yeah. lost my train of thought there. <laughs> um, are you liking any nose rocker in your boards? The trend is very, very flat boards. I just designed a couple of prototypes that I actually get to pick up tomorrow. Um, and I put a little bit more volume and a little bit more nose rocker in them than I see most people doing. And my rationale is just that if you have the nose rocker, you're not necessarily going to touch when you're pumping. I feel like the length for me and I might be wrong here. I'm just experimenting with stuff, but I feel like length for me right now is just a function of how how tight I can make my pumps. Maybe a little bit of swing weight, but but also like kind of like how how much I can point the nose down while I'm pumping. And I figured a little bit of nose rocker. I made the board maybe about three inches longer than I would have, but I added a little bit more rocker to the nose, so hopefully they'll stay up. And I figured that'll help me get in a little bit better. The other thing I did was actually add, instead of it having to be a flat bottom, I added like, I don't know, it was like a quarter inch, three, three eighths of an inch tail rocker to the board. And the idea there was to give a little bit less angle of attack as I'm paddling in. So I don't get that early lift in bigger surf. Like it's one of the things that, um, you know, you, somebody just posted the other day where they got smashed in the face, you know, early lift as they're paddling in. I felt that too. The other day I had one where I was like paddling in and I, went to pop up and my, it was kind of slippery and my hand slipped off and the board just smashed me. It didn't hit my face, but smashed me pretty good. So I feel like being able to stave off that lift a little bit at the beginning when you're paddling in helps. Do any of those things resonate with you? Or do you think that more flat contour is kind of the way, the way forward flat with maybe the channels? I feel like it's important to have, um, your, your, your fin box, um, set flat. So, that you yeah. have the options from there. You can even shim under your pedestal mount um, forward or back for angle attacks. Um, okay. Do you do that much? And so it's, I don't um, because uh, I've tried I've tried it before, but I don't. Um, okay. I, I do prefer having that kind of neutral, having the foil flat, and then shimming the wings or the tail instead. Um, as far as length and rocker, 
or excuse me, as far as rocker, uh, a bit of nose kick is great. And even a bit of continuous rocker, as long as it flattens out in the battle on the foil, from what I felt, um, I, I have tried a board that had a continuous rocker all the way through the tail in the mount. And it, uh, again, it kind of, it, it insisted the way it was set up kind of insisted on, on lifting more than I wanted to. I had to go back and use a lot more front foot pressure and I wasn't able to just, just kind of stand and rest when I wanted to on the wave. Um, or, or it, was, it was more tricky. Um, <clears throat> so that's, I'm, I've been looking for, for uh, more of a back foot feel out of my foils and my foiling, um, and being able to kind of, you know, just stand straight and rest in a neutral position with not too extreme front foot or back foot, and then be able to, uh, you know, apply the pressure front or back when needed when, when moving and carving and all that thing. I, I, I do believe in a bit of nose kick, is, but I think it, for me, it's it more helpful when, again, touching down on accident, um, uh, you know, trying to land maneuvers, uh, whitewash kind of roundhouse. And it's kind of like, there's only a handful of maneuvers uh, I'm really doing, you know, it's kind of like the roundhouse cut back, hit the foam uh, and, you know, trying to pop airs here and there. Uh, so there's not like a ton of ton of moves going down, but it, a bit of rocker is definitely helpful for that. But for me, the the most important um, change I've had to my boards is is the is the, uh, the double barrel. Um, I'm still kind of blown away how helpful and useful the double barrel is. One, I know I've kind of talked about this a bit um, online, but it is you know when you when you when you make contact with your board on the water and come off foil, the thing just pops you right back up quite easy. Um, but paddling into the waves, I've, I've, I've found a huge advantage uh, when it's bigger, you know, several feet overhead, it lets you paddle down the face and get to your feet a lot earlier so that you're not stuck at the lip and trying to make a, make a drop, uh, you know, a super, like an airdrop or a steep drop from the lip down. It lets you, again, paddle down the face a bit and get up on foil earlier. Uh, and with like a whitewater takeoffs, I've noticed, you know, taking off next to my buddies that don't have a channel bottom, I'm getting kind of like spat out onto the flaps and up on my feet real quick and, uh, definitely attribute it to the channel bottom. Uh, my previous, uh, freedom foil board was, was very similar to the one I have now, except it didn't have uh, those channels and I immediately noticed these differences and, and, and I'm still noticing them to this day. So I'm a huge advocate of, of any type of channel bottom. That's awesome. Um, that's something I really want to explore. The last boards I just did are pretty flat. It's like a, I did some research into um, why they make different boat hulls different ways. And so the, these prototypes I did with some chines on the bottom because of water release. Um, but I'm really intrigued by those deep channels too. I have not done that yet. I think that, that would be something I'd really like to ride and feel the difference of. Um, up till now, it's kind of been all flat bottom stuff for me with kind of beveled um, rails. Pretty steep. That's huge. Um, even 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 um, paddling through you know choppy conditions, you can feel it. It's 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 pretty phenomenal. That's a, and and so you ride for Freedom foil boards. Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. Yeah, and they just released. Uh, Chris Day is the owner and shaper. Yeah, they just went online with their website. It's, yep. The website looks amazing. Um, his boards are phenomenal. He's he's putting a lot of work, um, and I'm 
super stoked to be able to ride his boards. They're, I've, again, I've tried a lot of boards out there, and there's there's plenty of great ones, but this is definitely my favorite. Do you always wear a leash when you foil? Um, no, I, it's, I prefer not to, but I uh, also want to be safe. I don't want to be the guy that ruins foiling for us on quiet, like <laughs> lose your board and decapitate someone, you know? So when there's people around and even, even semi-close, I just, I just throw on the leash, you know, I don't gotta be cool. It's, it's nice. It's, it's really nice and liberating, not, not riding with a leash, but, um, I throw it on quite a bit. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. If I'm around anybody, I wear a leash, but I am more scared of getting hit by my foil with a leash on than anything else. I think I've had most of my most close calls in Costa Rica when the leash gets wrapped around, uh, the, the, the foil around the mast. And then I'm taking a set on the head and my board's right next to me and I can't get away from it. Um, right. That's, I just went through a thing the other day. It was, it was, uh, we had like five and six foot sets, like Hawaiian set, good double overhead. Um, like sets were catching us out of nowhere. And I had a few duck dives where, um, where I didn't want to bail my board and, and, and lose my leash. I've had my board like cut through my leash and then had a really hefty swim before. Um, but, uh, taking some of these duck dives with the wing and getting thrashed, the thing ripped, ended up like twisting and ripping my board, uh, out of my hands while getting thrashed. And I felt the thing, come out of my hands and like come right by my head. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know my point here, but it's, but yeah, the photo can quickly go from friend to enemy in, in seconds. You know, <laughs> I think that in a weird way, that's one of the things that is so addicting about it. It's got that just enough element of danger to where even when you're on a two foot wave, it, it keeps you on your toes the whole time. Yeah, it's funny how a two footer can feel like a, a six footer when you're foiling. You know, <laughs> things, the speeds you reach are, are pretty phenomenal. Yeah, well, and some of the drops, like I had a like a drop the other day on. It was literally like maybe a two foot day in Florida, so it's like small, but it just the way it doubled up and sucked up. You know, it, so hard to make that little drop, and <laughs> I kicked out of that it's wave, one and of I was the, just like. Like felt like I had just made like a like a barrel at like one of my favorite spots in Costa Rica or something. Like that's what it felt like. Yeah, you feel like you're charging when it's small. You're like, wow. I, <laughs> I mean, that's definitely one of the, the sketchiest things. When you eat it on drop, that foil is coming after you too. You know, it's it's whipping around and, and flopping around and ghost riding, chasing you down. I've had plenty of plenty of good donks and, and cuts. You know, I've kind of resigned to the fact though that this is. Resigned to the fact that, you know, this thing's going to get me, you know, it's going to get me. And that's just part of it. Yep. Yeah. I wore a helmet for a lot of the beginning. And then I kind of realized that I feel like that's just not where I'm going to get hit. It seems like you take them to the face a lot more uh, than anywhere else. And it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, I, just, I just show up. I just show up, <laughs> cover my head in, and just cross the fingers. You know? <laughs> yeah um so the other day when we were surfing down it was like the last probably big bigger day that i surfed in costa rica before we left our last trip we were out on this reef and i was i was on my stand up because it's it's a way offshore reef and i was paddling over a wave prone paddling though and i've never had this happen before to where i I punched through the wave kind of got under it while it was breaking and i was fully on the back of it and somehow the foil caught and i went 
backwards over the falls, like some energy underneath the wave caught the foil. And it was, there was this moment of like, you know, like, ah, cool, I'm through this to all of a sudden going backwards over the falls. It was such a weird feeling. Um, it's a different energy to manage. Yeah. You had a parachute under you at that point. That's why as soon as the wing points down too much, it makes sense. You know, if you're coming over a big lump and then your wing is pointing uh, a steep angle down, that's, that's like a parachute, you know, it's going to catch that water and and grab you for sure. Same thing. Like what we were talking about with duck dives, you know, uh, when you get your, your, if your wing gets pushed sideways, it's the, the force on it starts to become exponential real quick. Yeah. For sure. Um, let's talk about terminology a little bit. Like the other day I was writing a post where uh, I caught up a few different waves, you know, or gotten up once and then connected a bunch of waves. What are you calling that when you, when you, someone said comboing, um, what are you calling it when you, no, when no, you no. connect a bunch no, of waves? That's, that's a double dip. A double dip? That's the proper term. That's a double dip. Yeah. <laughs> Is that just for two waves and then a triple dip and a... You can, you know, it's a, it's a broad term now, I think, at least the way we use it. And, I, and we may have invented the term double dip. Um, but yeah, that's what we all, always <laughs> call it. Even if it's three, four or five ways, you know, that's, you, you double dip another. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but someone said that when you, when you pump back out behind the lineup, it's called a reach around. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> I got to laugh out of that one. Um, Gotta be an Aussie. Come yeah, from- I think it was a guy from California. <laughs> respect that. Yeah, um, all right. So let's talk. Um, let me think here. What are folks going to want to know about? What have I gotten questions about? What? Um, let's talk about pumping. I get a lot of questions about pumping. And okay. so I've always explained pumping from a standpoint of someone who knows how to pump a ramp, knows how to ollie, um, short, surfs a shortboard at a pretty good level. But if we were to talk pumping from a first, first principle, and this is a question from a buddy who's not a shortboarder, never skated, he's a good kite surfer, um, getting into foiling now and, and pumping is a little bit elusive for him. And He's saying that the way that I'm explaining it doesn't resonate with him. How would you explain pumping for someone who doesn't have that shortboarding skating background? You know, I think it's it's good to envision pumping as as unweighting yourself and then stabilizing the board. You know, kind of like that jump, that that compression, but then unweighting. Uh, it seems like you got a lot of people are trying to force it up, force it down, force it up, force it down, but it's, it's a bit of a glide, you know, you're, it's a dance, um, having your foil set up correct and, and having enough speed are the two factors I've seen people struggle with, with getting a good pump going, um, peeling out of the wave nice and early with plenty of speed is, is a huge factor. It's a huge help. Uh, and then getting your wing up close to the surface uh, you know, Armstrong explained it like a uh, reverse ground effect. You're, you yeah. have a much less wing to push or, you know, there's yeah less water to be pushing down and pushing back. Um, and closer to that surface, I'm not too good with the physics of all this, but, uh, it, 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 I, uh, feeling it out. is definitely, there's a sweet spot. 
um, and it's not too far below the surface. And you can kind of get, once you get up there, you can do shorter, more efficient pumps and kind of stay in that zone. And that's why guys like Kailani, Katie Maui, um, you know, Finn Spencer, all these, all these, um, uh, Nathan, uh, uh, from, uh, yep. Van Uren from, from yep. signature foils. Yeah. The, these guys, they're, uh, they're not only, you know, seasoned, but they have a great technique and they're, they're masters at keeping that foil in that sweet spot and, and maintaining that, uh, that ideal leverage. Yeah. That was a really big thing for me when I went from stand up foiling to prone foiling and pumping immediately it was better. Immediately prone foiling felt so much more natural to me than, than stand up foiling. And maybe it's cause I spent so much time on shortboards or skating. I don't know. It just feels, it feels natural to me. Stand up foil. I go back to it. I enjoy it, but it just, it, and I've got a new board coming out this week. So maybe that's going to help a lot. Cause I've been on a six, five, which is big. Um, but the, uh, the, the, the nuance of pumping and stand, stand high, like you said, but then also about gliding is you kind of get like a little bit of a glide and then you feel when you start to come off that glide just a little bit and that's when you pop it again and you just pop right back up to that sweet spot um it's gone from like i was happy if i connected two or three waves to now it's just as soon as my as, as long as my cardio can go you know like um and it seems like if you stay in that sweet spot you're using way less energy than when you're than when you're working a lot harder like lower on your mast that makes sense Absolutely. Uh, I've, you know, watched these, all the downwind racer guys like Ryan Funk and, 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 uh, you know, Zaniac, those, those guys you'll see, um, you'll see in their videos that they're, they're doing smaller efficient pumps out of necessity and speed. Um, and they're, they're not really riding the wave as much as they're mowing over one lump, riding the ramp down, mowing back over the next lump and just blasting downwind and, you know, trying to set records and win races. Um, but yeah, to uh, tone to what you're saying, that's, it's, uh, they're looking for efficiency and speed and, and watching them uh, can be really helpful for someone working out, working out their, uh, their pump game. So to speak. Yeah. Probably the biggest breakthrough I've had in the last few weeks has been, watching did you see the even my dog can't believe his eyes video that katie maui posted that kane posted which one yeah uh, somebody posted it he linked to it but it was like even my dog can't believe his eyes it was like seven minutes of him just riding some super tiny little board yeah yeah i've seen all his videos actually nothing about yeah he's, yeah. he's, he's a phenomenal phenomenal writer it we looks as a lot online yeah, I, I want him to do the show. I, I sent him a message and he said he's going to listen to a few and make a decision. So hopefully he'll do it because it would be fun to talk to him. But um, so, Kane, if you're listening, do the show, please. Uh, so, but, uh, Come on, it Kane. Looks like, Come on, Kane. It he's looks got like a wealth of, um, sorry to interrupt, there is that delay. Sorry, but yeah, he has a wealth of uh, not only writing knowledge, but design knowledge. Um, he actually really understands the science behind, you know, laminar flow and all those kind of terms that i'm not i'm not too up on <laughs> uh i love how he's always posting up videos of he's making all the rear wings for his signature stuff and testing it all that's rad um but what i was gonna say is it looks as though and i started to incorporate this and it seems to help i'd love to get your feedback but as you're pumping out and so i've been surfing a lot of short period swell and so you're going through a lot of chop and a lot of waves as you're going back out, it seems to me like best practice is to get as much speed as you can before you 
hit like a foamy or hit a wave and then stay high and glide until you get past that wave energy before you start pumping again. It seems to me like if I try to pump right off, like right past the crest of a wave and try to pump right away, it actually slows me down. Is that, does that seem right? You do the same thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, it's kind of like riding, you know, the, the mini ramp too. Once you're coming over the back, you use that, like the angle and the glide off the back of the wave, you ride it, you almost, you know, rest for a pump or so. And then as soon as, before you lose that speed coming off the back, that's when you give it again. Um, yeah, all this I feel like is, is just hours in the water more than anything. Yeah. So you start, your eyes start to open to it, but there's, but definitely, I think we all that are pumping back out in over and through decent sized whitewashes, I think we're all kind of using that same, same approach, uh, but definitely like gliding off the back before you get going again. It's, it's, that's, I would say, I would call that proper technique for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, how much of a difference have you found in pumping with, uh, with different wings? What are your favorite wings to pump? Right now, the um, there's three wings that are kind of blowing my mind. Um, definitely a signature 210. Um, it's so efficient, so fast, and they have uh, different sizes of the, the albatross. So when it's, if you're racing and it's cranking downwind, you go to an even smaller wing. When it's, if you're flat water pumping or it's not as big, um, the 210 is working there. I think they have even a bigger one coming out for the big boys. Um I'm a buck 55 and, and, uh, the thing uh, the 210 is, is tons of lift and pump for me. It's, you know, what's doing more than lift is gliding. Gliding is really, uh, what's going on now. You know, all the wings seem to be much lower profiles, um, a little harder to get up and going at first, but, uh, but as soon as you're up and riding, the efficiency and the speed is what's setting these wings apart. So the, the Albatross 210 pumps phenomenal, um, I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised by the F1 Gravity 1800 wing. Um, that thing is, is, is a great pumper. And yep. now I uh, just got my hands on and, and uh, of the um, Takuma 1600 LOL um, uh, wing. And that thing is, is you know, I've only been on it once. I don't want to speak too much on it yet. I like to really know uh, equipment and, and test them thoroughly, thoroughly before I mention or, or talk about them. But uh, first impression, that thing is, is unreal. They've done a great job on that, too. And I was pretty obsessed with that wing, just watching it in videos. It just seemed like it was doing something special. So I can't wait to, to really give it a good, a good thorough, thorough review. Yeah, um, I have not ridden. I've got, the, uh, I've got the Unifoil 210 coming, which I understand is super similar to the Signature 210 somehow. It's, it's just, yeah, it's the same designer. Oh, it's the same designer, is it? And that's um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the guy I'm talking to, and he's actually going to do the show after I ride the the ring for the wing for a little bit. Um, so I'm stoked on that. Nice. And, His name's uh, Clifford. Super, yeah. super nice guy. Yep. He's um, a bit and, of a mad scientist. <laughs> and he's been great to uh, great to talk to and stuff. He's he's super excited. Um, you can tell he's like super passionate about the sport about design and stuff, which is dope. Um, Chase Kosterlitz, who I have a stand-up surf camp in Costa Rica. We're actually going to start doing some foil camps too. He's sponsored by F1 for foiling. And he's, he's um, 
loving the new 1800. He's been sending me all these videos of him connecting on his stand-up, you know, three, four waves, uh, which is uh, pretty dope in the spots that we're surfing. It's not easy down there with all the current and stuff to connect waves. And so he's loving that 1800. Um, I got to ride the 1400, which I liked. Uh, I don't know if I was ready for it though. It was a few months ago when I did it. And it was, uh, I think that now I'd appreciate it a lot more. Billy, you know, Billy Ackerman, um, he rides for F1. He's coming on the show soon. Yep. Oh, nice. Right on. I have yeah. a bit of correspondence with Billy. He's super nice dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. He there, actually so came F1. down to, uh, he came down to blue zone. So we got to surf together. He was the first guy that I got to watch foil, who is like, who's like really good. And that was like, I had been doing it for a couple months and I got to watch Billy for a week. And then I, I turned it on a lot more. And that's when I decided that prone was the, was, I think I'm going to spend more time probably prone than anything else is my guess. We'll see. Converted. Yeah. They I, both, both have their place. Um, I'm excited to get into some, some sub foiling here soon. I'm going to be doing, um, if, if, if I get my board in time, I'm going to kind of do a quick train and I'm going to do the Nepali, the Nepali coast here. Uh, the Nepali coast race, I believe is August 10th. It's coming up pretty soon, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, the suppers right now are doing the biggest, hardest, most radical turns in foiling right now yeah. with, with the, you, you know, with straps and the leverage of the paddle and all that, uh, guys like, you know, uh, Uncle Kavika and, and, um, you know, Derek and all these guys, uh, doing some phenomenal turns up in the lip line, you know, smashing the wave and coming out of it with speed. It's, it's really impressive to see. Yeah. Derek kills it. Um, he also just said he's going to, he's going to come on, which is cool. We share a, a sponsor, a paddle sponsor, 27 North shout out to Mike oh, nice. again. Um, and, uh, I got to surf with him on, on Oahu a couple of years ago, which was awesome. Good, good dude. He's killing it. He's such a good dude. Super humble. He always takes the time to, um, you know, get uh, video clips of all the boys and share them out. Um, and his foiling is just phenomenal. I've seen him just do these. Uh, my last trip to Oahu, he did these three like layback snaps up in the lip, three in a row, right in my face. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this is so gnarly. He's, he's an amazing athlete, amazing foiler. And again, super humble, nice dude. I love, I hope he gets on the show. That'd be it. That'd be great. Yeah, man. Let me ask you this. Um, who do you think I should have on over the next little bit? You seem to be connected to everybody. Like, who do you think, who do you think could share and help broaden the knowledge base? Cause that's the goal really is to, to bring on folks like yourself who can really help educate everybody and, and expedite this whole collective learning process. I'll, I'll text, I'll text you a list. There's, it's, uh, I would have to think about it for a moment, okay. but there's, there's a lot of guys. There's actually yeah, a lot of guys I think would be really helpful for the foil community to hear and, and would do a great podcast. Killer. So I'll, I'll hit you up after for sure. Nice. What do you, what do you see? You put on the crystal ball. Where do you see the sport in five years, in 10 years? You know, like we've seen, you know, surfing go to shortboarding and longboarding and then you've got the whole like mid-length kind of throwback um in stand-up you had you know hardcore like super small boards and then the kind of the glider class and then you know racing and then wreck stuff where does foiling go in the next in the next bit 
Well, you know, surf and prone foiling, um, it's going to the air and it's going, um, it's going to be a, a much closer blend to traditional short boarding. I think there'll be a little bit more spray and, and connection with the waves. Um, yeah. but Adam Bennett's on that note is blowing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. He's cracking it. He's giving, he's, 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 he's going for it. He's a great foiler. Yeah. Uh, you know, foiling is, it's, it's like the most diverse water sport out there. It's gotta be like, you can foil rivers and, and wind waves and, uh, you know, wake people doing behind boats, just going out just for flat water sessions, um, from supping, kiting, windsurfing. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, how diverse foiling and, or using a foil on different watercraft is. So that's a, that's a tough to see exactly where that's going, but at least in, my vision and prone foiling it's gonna get you know the the airs will be um down the line you know i think we'll be clearing big sections uh i think all the potential in the world is there to do much larger airs than normal surfing you know we're, we're just going faster and we have an airplane under us so it makes sense um yeah. the airs you've been doing that you've been posting are you know super yeah. legit four feet out <laughs> like that scares the shit out of me man <laughs> there, yeah i feel like uh those are my um my circus airs you know the they're they're they're, they're kind of sad but i've i've felt you know I've, I've gotten close to some good ones now it's like okay let's like i gotta stop talking about it and start proving it you know because the ones i have online are, are a bit embarrassing now but it's uh i want to show like hey this is a learning this is a learning process and uh this is you know the baby steps this is what we start with but i have had the feeling um of when it you know when i get the the cojones to hit like a a larger lippy section man you really fly it it, it launches you it, you get some yeah, i don't know there's no other way to say it. you fly <laughs> so that's that's what i'm trying to get um and i think that's definitely in the future we're going to be doing you know clearing big old sections and and of course with straps it's going to get really technical and looking forward to it yeah that's going to be nuts do you think that in in foiling there's going to be more crossover between like the separate niches of the sport to where in stand-up guys who are doing downwinders on a on a on a stand-up on a bigger stand-up are not necessarily stand-up surfing but in foiling like once, once you're up, you can, you know, if you can foil downwind, you can probably foil waves to some extent. If you can foil waves, you can probably foil downwind to some extent. Do you think that that kind of like right now, it seems like most guys who are foiling are doing kind of a little bit of all of it and, you know, super, super excited about all of it. Does that continue or do folks start getting really specialized and kind of only stay in their little window in their little like area of the sport? There's going to be a little everything, you know, some people want to shine in their niche, uh, where others, um, you know, are, are complete total watermen and they're not only doing every form of foiling, but still doing, you know, supping and surfing and, and packing barrels and the whole thing. Uh, and then there's the folks that are foiling what, just what they have on option. You know, there's an incredible mind blowing amount of lake foilers people out and you know, that's, that have no ocean knowledge. They don't know how to read waves, but they're out foiling on lakes, um, and, and tight foiling, all that kind of thing. So it's, man, like I said, it's so diverse. There's, there's a little bit of everything. And I think we're going to see a lot of everything in the near future. Doesn't seem 
I don't see foiling uh, coming down in popularity anytime soon. You know, it's just going to grow from here. Where are you headed with foiling? What What are your goals? Uh, downwind is, is, I'm pretty obsessed with downwind. I haven't even honestly done a true downwind. I've gone out for some down breezers where it wasn't quite enough energy, but, but, uh, but it was even that feeling was addicting, you know, foil for like seven, eight minutes and then walk back to the car for 25, you know, it's, it's uh, just that little taste is, 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 uh, I'm really, really excited to get out. I've been praying for the, you know, we've had like an all time summer here for waves. It's been pumping forever. Um, by now, you know, we usually it's flat here in the islands and it's kind of like we get pre-summer and post-summer swells for, from the South. Um, but this, this year it's just been all sides have had waves and especially the South and East sides it's been pumping for, for months now. And it's the first time in my life I've been praying for the waves to go away and the wind to pick up because I'm dying to try some downwind <laughs> now, you know? <laughs> that's classic but and what about foil the world what are your what are your goals with um your presence with with instagram um are you are you on other platforms too besides instagram i just follow you on insta I yeah mean, YouTube. I have, uh, uh you know everything I, or the majority of what i post to instagram gets uh posted straight to facebook as okay. well and then i do have my my youtube channel i'm trying to put more energy into now um, and it's a learning process, you know, I'm still just kind of figuring out how this all works. I was a bit of a late adapter, a resistor of, um, of social media. Um, you know, I'm a photographer by trade. Um, and I got to the point where like, okay, I'm going to not have any business here in five years if I don't get into this game. And that's kind of what opened my eyes or, or, uh, to, you know, leveraging social media. And then when foiling came around, it's like, oh, okay, this is something I could actually use, um, and uh, and it's something I'm passionate about. And that's kind of where Foil World started. I started my account, uh, kind of pre envisioned this whole thing. I started it before I even foiled, to be honest. <laughs> I like I knew it. I was like, that's I knew it was rad. coming. I was already convinced from 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 watching Laird and Terry and and those boys. And, uh, and the injury thing and all these things, I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is my path. I see it. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I started it, I started my account after I bought my, my first foil and I was just waiting for it to arrive. Um, and, you know, I've been studying and trying to understand how it works ever since where I'm going with foil. The world is I would love to, uh, make foil the world, my job or a part-time job right now. It's, it's a part-time job that hemorrhages money. But it's a passion, and I love it, and 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 that's uh, that's not a complaint by any means. You know, I'm, I'm really so fortunate where I am with in in the foiling world. You know, um, but my goal with foil the world is is to grow it into an actual job where I could uh, make money from it and afford to 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 uh, to, do, to make videos and to do it full time. You know, um, I have a goal to you know to compete as well as just put out the loads videos, technique tutorials, you know, I have scrolls and pages of, of ideas, but there's, you know, only so much time in the day to do it. And I still got to pay the bills and, and, you know, have my separate, uh, you know, photography career going and, and, uh, and I am a dad, so I got to put in the time and be there for my kiddos and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance, you know, but it's definitely an obsession and, and, you know, I'm patient just going to keep chipping away and do as much as I can when I can. And, and hopefully, uh, um, 
you know, hopefully see it grow. Well, I have no doubt that you'll do well with Foil the World, whichever direction you want to take it. I mean, you've got um, a great following already and a crazy good passion for the sport. And the sport, I see it only growing. I mean, it was it was interesting. You know, I was a part of, I was a, kind of a late adopter in the stand-up when I got into it and did did kind of like a whole thing. We did a couple films and some stuff in the sport and, and I absolutely loved it. And I still see the merits in stand-up and I love stand-up surfing. It's just that it never it never caught on. You know, there was this cool factor that was missing in the surf world. And 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 I used to be one of those shortboard guys that, you know, wouldn't even consider getting on like a mid-length board right. ever. Right. You know, and so I I get it from from that aspect, but I think foiling has something to where, you know, you never would have seen John John like on his any of his social media padding paddling around a a stand-up ever, right? Kelly Slater did it once and, you know, he got caught online doing it and that was it, right? There was only one and only. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> right. But but everybody loves foiling. So I think that you're going to, it's going to be more acceptable to foil um, if if you're a surfer. And you know, and, and I know that unless you're surfing crazy good waves all the time with, with low crowds, which is such a hard thing to do. It's such a hard bar like you lived in, you know, you grew up in Hawaii and you lived in Costa Rica. The bar for you to have a great surf session is what? Like, what do the waves have to be in the crowd have to be for you to have like a great surf session? Yeah, uh, it's higher and higher every year. That's what it became. Yeah, the standards got higher, uh, became more spoiled. It's like, oh, it's it's not six foot. Uh, go back to bed. You know, it it, it got pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I was the same way. I mean, I was, I could surf pretty good surf and, and go home and not the best mood. And I, it's such a shame because you, you want to think that you're not the guy who gets spoiled, but I think it happens to anybody. Um, but somehow foiling seems to reset that whole thing. So anyways, I think you're going to crush yeah, it in the sport. I think there's such a big potential audience. And I think the way that you're doing things is, is so beneficial to the collective that it's just going to be figuring out how you do that and then you'll crush it. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. My, my focus is, 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 uh, I'm trying not to worry about that side. I try not to pay attention to the numbers, the followers, all that stuff. I just try to be, uh, as helpful as I can, authentic as I can. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's the, the key to my, my, you know, to my future and success is just to just keep, keep along the path as I am. Um, and, you know, not worry about who's falling, not worry about being anyone, but just uh, being helpful. You know, I, as it is now, I, I spend, I'm about one to two hours a day um, answering DMs, answering questions. Uh, and, uh, and it's, you know, it can be a lot at times, um, but it's pretty satisfying when people message back, hey, I just saved this, this much money because I didn't, you know, I, I made a smarter decision thanks to your advice or or hey, yeah. I, I put in that shim, that shim, and now I'm double dipping, or or what have you. You know, it's uh, it's very gratifying, and and it feels good to be, you know, kind of a service in a sense, you know, be, you know, be a, a positive influence, and and just be help to to this culture we got going. Yeah, here's a thought. I did. I started doing the same thing in stand up, where people would send me a bunch of messages, and after I don't know four to six months of responding like privately to everybody, I. I stated a policy basically that if you wanted to, I would be happy to answer any question, but I was going to do it publicly. 
and I, uh, you start a website or something to where that one to two hours a day is, a, it could be used by everybody. And then, and then that, that repository that you'll build through that will then continue to get, to help people and get eyeballs and, and create value for you in the future. Um, that, and that work. Like, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just, yeah. Like a forum basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. But if you create it like through some sort of foil the world platform, then, you know, everyone will come to that. It'll be probably one of the best, you know, databases for all this knowledge that everybody wants. Like, I wish that existed right now for me. I wish I could just go somewhere and just, you know, tap into all of the questions and read through all the answers that you've given everybody. That would be insane. It's, uh, it's, it's, all that I want to, all, all I'll say is it's in the works and it's been Killer. in the plans. But yeah, circling back to uh, 24 hours in a day, you know, I'm using about 19 of them. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, I hope that uh, in a couple months you'll come back on and, um, you know, do this again. I'm sure we'll get a bunch of questions after after we post this up. But um, anything you want to leave folks with? Tell everyone where they can find you, all your all your platforms, all that. And then, um, you know. Any final, final words you want to leave folks with? I, I'd love to come back for sure. I, you know, when you invited me on initially, it was like, oh, I don't know. Let me check out this guy, you know. And then uh, I listened to your the whole five uh, podcast uh, uh, foil of any foil series within like twenty four hours to just you know consume them immediately. And I was like, yeah, this Eric, this guy's on it. He's a good podcaster, and then I was, so I was really stoked to be on. Um, and yeah, it'd be my pleasure to come back. Thanks, um, I am foil the world on Facebook, uh, on Instagram and YouTube. And there's longer forum content on my YouTube and I'm going to continue to push that. Um, but yeah, I check it out and hopefully learn something and get some value out of it. Killer. And, um, you might enjoy some of the, the first episodes I did on this podcast. Um, before, with I did a Josh Waitzkin, a guy who wrote Art of Learning, good friend of mine is on here. Um, Anders Ericsson, mm. who wrote um, Peak, which is my favorite book on performance. It's where like the 10,000 hour rule was based and stuff. He came on. Uh, and G Life, okay. one yeah. of my favorite musicians, yeah. was on. So you, you might Beautiful. like some of those too. Yeah, man. I'll hit the backlog for sure. Yeah, dude. Uh, there was, it was, it was going to take this whole other route and then life got in the way. But it's stoked, stoked to be doing a new show. It's fun. Um, Killer, man. Brian, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And um, I hope everybody learned a ton from you. I know I did. Right on, my brother. I really appreciate it. Much aloha and uh, foil the world.